Good morning. Let's find our place and stand together as we start out with a great anthem across the lands, singing about our great God provider this morning. You're the word of God, the Father, from before the world began. Every star and every planet has been fashioned by your hand. All creation holds together by the power of your voice. Let the skies declare your glory. Let the land and seas rejoice. You're the singing, you can be seated. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. The new adult Sunday school quarter began this morning. If you missed the first session of Starting Points, there's still time to join this informative five-week class designed to introduce you to the ministry of First Baptist Church. Starting Point meets at 9.45 on Sunday mornings. This afternoon, we plan to kick off a new quarter of community groups with a church-wide meal after the morning gathering, followed by community group meetings here in the church building. There will also be a special lesson and activity for children during our community group gathering time. Preschool kids and elementary students up to the fourth grade are welcome to attend. More information will be announced at lunch today. Don't miss a great time of food, fellowship, and spiritual conversation after our worship gathering. The Future Leaders of Wixom Group will be meeting tomorrow evening, Monday, September 11th at 7 p.m. Please consider being a part of a great evening of instruction and fellowship with other young men interested in developing into future church leaders. As always, snacks will be provided. Next Sunday morning, September 17th, is Hometown Hero Sunday. Please make our first responder and government employee guests feel welcome as we introduce those in attendance and thank them for their service in our community. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years through the third grade at the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. The ministry of First Baptist Church is funded entirely by the voluntary gifts of God's people. This is an important part of our worship, as we unite together in a tangible way to advance the priorities of Jesus in our community and beyond. If you would like to participate in worship by giving, please utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium. Request a weekly gift to be sent directly from your bank to the church, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. Thank you for partnering together with the rest of the church to advance the cause of Christ. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. 
Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Good morning, everyone. Just in case you missed it, this afternoon is a special uh, schedule for us today. Immediately after we dismiss from this service, lunch is being prepared for you in the gymnasium. And we hope that you'll plan to stay. We try to be very careful about church-wide lunches, that the food is good and safe and uh, good quality. Fellowship will be great um, if, you, if it worries you when somebody else is preparing your food. just want you to know that we got the best crew in there making sure that we have a really good lunch prepared for today. We hope that you'll stay. It's for everyone. We've purchased food for everyone. We hate to waste it. So we hope that you'll stick around. And then immediately afterward, we're going to have an abbreviated form of community groups. And if you don't get to normally participate, this is a great way to participate. Um, we're going to make it as simple as possible for families the, the children are going to have a place that they can go for a special lesson, activity, and craft. Uh, the adults and the babies will circle up and just have a brief conversation about the Bible. So we're going to be enjoying food together, talking about the Bible together. It's going to be abbreviated and efficient, and we'll get you out of here in decent time. We hope that everybody will stay for a great time of afternoon community groups. This morning, I wanted to just show you real quickly. On the back wall, there's a new sign. I'm going to kind of wander back that direction. <clears throat> but I just want to show you <clears throat> what it says we do and where this happens. So community groups meet on Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. in various church members' homes. Right now, there are six locations. And during community group, we reflect on the Sunday morning message, encourage one another to grow in faith, and discuss biblical truth while committing it to action. This is what we should want to do together as a church, right? And this is what's going on every Sunday night, in case you're missing it, almost every Sunday night this is going on. Four different locations. So over here west of Brighton at Eric and Angie Jacobs' home. And then down here in Livonia at Bill and Wendy Alton's home. And then there are four locations in the general Wixom area. And many of those locations in Wixom, those change, but they're always close by. And so the leaders let their groups know where they're going to be. And we just want you to participate. Um, and here's why. What we do here at First Baptist Church, we're not trying to like, increase attendance or, or hit any particular goal with attendance at community groups or Sunday morning worship. What we do, we do on purpose so that we can grow spiritually. And we have found that Sunday night gatherings are a great place to grow spiritually if you take the study guide that is handed out every Sunday morning if you follow along with the morning message. If you do just a little bit of preparation, even 10 minutes, or have a conversation with your spouse about some of the things that we talked about on Sunday morning, and then gather together. Most of the community groups share snacks and have fellowship afterwards. It's great fun. It's a great way to integrate with the rest of the church family. But most importantly, it is a wonderful venue to grow spiritually. And so we hope that you'll come today uh, join one of the groups. If you're not normally one of the groups, that's totally fine. Just join one of the groups. You can switch it up if you want. You can go to somebody else's group today if you do normally attend. It's just going to be a great time of fellowship and food together. And so plan to join us today and then each week at 6 p.m. Uh, we hope that you'll be part of community groups this quarter. I also wanted to mention that in two weeks, we have a special Sunday coming up. We haven't talked a lot about it, um, but it's a special weekend, actually, Saturday and Sunday. You might remember a few weeks ago during a business meeting, the church voted to proceed with the ordination process for one of our staff guys, Johnny Martin. And um, we're really looking forward to this. This happens on Saturday, the 23rd, and then Sunday, the 24th. There's a couple of steps that uh, will occur. On Saturday, there is a two-hour-ish examination that is from 2 to 4 p.m. on Saturday, the 23rd. And it is open to anyone who wants to come. It'll be here in the auditorium. And the reason I mention it to you is because pastoral ordination is a really great way to just understand pastoral qualifications and also test your, your own self. Uh, Johnny will be asked some questions that are challenging, biblical questions. And it's a great way to just come and, and find out, wow, would I, would I be able to answer that question and, and pray for Johnny and to encourage him during that process. So that happens on Saturday from 2 to 4. Afterwards, there's a meal. That meal is just for 
uh, the pastoral staff, the deacons, and the council that will be here, the pastors that have been invited to come, as well as their wives. That meal will be happening in the cafe, so if you're part of that group, please plan to stay for that meal at 5 o'clock. And then on Sunday morning, after Sunday school, during our regular Sunday morning uh, worship gathering, we'll have a special message, a couple other special things going on, a more detailed explanation of ordination, and then that will conclude with a church business meeting to consider the recommendation of the council, which we assume will be that the council recommends that the church ordain Johnny. But that's really your job to do. And some have asked, like, what is the, what happens as a result? What happens? And um, primarily what happens is that we get to refer to Johnny publicly as pastor, although some of you do that privately anyway. We don't publicly do that, but we will after ordination. And then secondly, it, it, creates a qualification for Johnny to be able to serve here um, as an assistant pastor rather than just part of the PLT but an associate pastor or to serve as pastor here or elsewhere. This is an important step in his career development and uh, something we encourage in our guys and want to just cheer on for them. So that's happening on the 22nd or 23rd and 24th. And there's no evening community group on the 24th. Two weeks from tonight, there's no evening community group because of the busyness of the weekend. We hope you plan to join us on Saturday from 2 to 4. I think it'll be really, really encouraging. Lastly, just want to tell you that Wixom Christian School is at a great start to another school year. And so this morning as we pray, I just invite you to pray with me that God would bless this school year at Wixom Christian School and our time of worship together this morning. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you. Thank you that we can gather Lord, thank you for the church and the blessing of community, the blessing of fellowship, the blessing of corporate worship as we lift our voices together in praise of our Savior Jesus. Lord, we ask that today everything we do would honor him. And in his name today, we ask that you would change us, teach us from your word Increase our love and unity for one another. Help us to provoke one another to deeper love and better good works. May you bless our fellowship this afternoon and our, our time of stimulating one another spiritually with our conversation. We pray that you will increase our love for you and our love for one another. Help us to learn today to pray better as we consider the fact that you are the great provider. Lord, we thank you for providing to us Wixom Christian School and for your blessings on that institution for over 40 years. Lord, we thank you for the start of another good school year and for our staff and students and families. We ask for your richest blessing. Lord, in our crazy world, we ask that you would protect Wixom Christian School. May it be an oasis of discipleship and godly living. And we pray that you'd be glorified in it. We thank you for the day today, and we ask that you'd help us now as we worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, continue to worship through song as we sing out, My hope is in the Lord.
testimony, thinking through the salvation plan that God provided us a way to be redeemed back to him. And it's all through his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a new song this morning, Jesus is Mine. We're going to sing it first in the chorus. I want you to listen and learn it, and then we'll have you guys join us on the second verse. this morning. You can be seated.
Amen. Thank you guys for that song about the goodness of God. Good thing for us to meditate on today as we take our Bibles and turn to Psalm number 68. If you would, Psalm number 68. We've been talking about theology on Sunday mornings, asking the question, what is God like? And once I know what he's like, how should I respond? We know that we should applaud God. That word Applaud is really probably the best modern um, idea of this, the, the biblical concept of praise, that we would applaud God for who he is, that we would lift him up for one another and then respond correctly to his character. Last Sunday morning, Holden brought us a message about God being prayer answering, that God answers prayer and he does it right on time and he does it in his and the his own way and the best way every single time. And the response of God's people is that we should pray. I hope you thought about this this week. It was convicting to me to sit and to think about prayer and how that prayer tends to be that Christian discipline that many of us struggle with having a quality time of prayer regularly every single day. Actually, last week's message is really a good introduction for this week's message as we think about the fact that our God is the provider. Now, Psalm number 68 might sound a little familiar to to you. I actually preached a message from verses 1 through 6 on Father's Day. We're going to just briefly look at those verses. But today what we want to do is look at Psalm 68 in its big picture. What does God provide? And because he provides these things, how should I pray? Again, this psalm of David is referencing Israel specifically. It's a very Jewish scene that David paints for us, that God is rising up and going before his people. But one of the great things about the psalms is we see the character of God coming out of the the verses, and the character of God does not change. And so we can apply these truths to our life today. In fact, I'm going to give you five things that he provides in this psalm, and I'm trying to make a prayer application to each one of those. Like a modern day, how, how should this affect the way that I apply last week's uh, message in prayer? So today, to begin, I just want to read one verse from Psalm 68, and it is verse number 19, which says this, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us, with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Would you pray with me that the Lord will help us as we look at this passage? Father, thank you for the benefits of being one of your people. As we think about this series of messages and all of the things that you are to us, we're grateful this morning for the blessings of being your people. And as David celebrates in this psalm, these provisions that you brought to Israel, Lord, we, we know that they reflect your character. And today we claim these promises for us. We, we claim, Lord, your provision for your people today. Thank you for these things. And please help us to apply things correctly today. Help us to understand these truths correctly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know this guy? Do you know his name? Anybody know who that is? Anybody recognize that person? All right, does anybody know the name Samuel Joseph Wurzelbacher? Anybody know that? I thought maybe one or two might recognize him or recognize his name. No one really knew this guy until 2008 um, when he was filmed asking presidential candidate Barack Obama about taxes on small businesses. Now, Wurzelbacher was particularly interested uh, in the ramifications about his purchase of a small plumbing company. And the media latched onto him and his story, as did the Obama campaign, as did the McCain campaign, and they dubbed this man Joe the Plumber. Anybody ever heard of Joe the Plumber? Okay, most of us heard of Joe the Plumber. Right, so here's a guy who was in complete obscurity, and he immediately went viral as a representative of American small business. In a later interview with Diane Sawyer, I mean, this guy was interviewed by major television networks because of his conversation with Barack Obama. In an interview with Diane Sawyer, he was asked how he was thrust from 
obscurity to recognizable fame overnight back in 2008. And here's what he said. This is a quote. I just happened to be there and Barack Obama happened to show up, right? So I was thinking about this guy in relation to Israel. It's a metaphor for the nation of Israel. They just happened to be there, right? Abraham was just doing his thing in the Ur of the Chaldees and God showed up. And this happens all throughout their history. And if God did not show up, there wouldn't be a nation. They certainly would not have lasted very long. But they did because God showed up. Because of providence. What we want to think about today. God continually providing for his people. Just think about it briefly with me this morning. God miraculously gave Abraham and Sarah their son Isaac or there would be no nation. God protected their family through Abraham's great-grandson Joseph in Egypt, or there would be no nation. God rescued them from Egypt under the leadership of Moses. And if it wasn't for God showing up that way, there would be no nation. And then for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, and he kept providing for them. Think about just the food and water they would need. Okay, It's been estimated they would need about 4 million pounds of food every day. Think about that. And roughly 10 million gallons of water every day to survive in the wilderness. And they did it for 40 years. How is that possible? God provided for them. But the most miraculous provision of God for the people of Israel in the desert was his presence. His presence. Like never before and at no time since, God was visibly present among his people. Remember how the the book of Exodus and Numbers describes how this is going on. So God is present in this pillar of cloud during the day and is present in this pillar of fire at night. And each day, if he intended for his people to move, he rose up and went before them as their provider. In fact, our psalm today, in the first couple of verses, I'll read to you in just a minute, quotes Numbers chapter 10 and what's going on in Numbers chapter 10 is they're getting ready to disband camp. So you've you've done this before, probably with your children, you're getting ready for vacation, you're coming home from vacation and you say, okay, it's time to pack up. Right. And so everybody starts assembling their things and packing their bags and putting them in the car. This is what the nation of Israel did every time they needed to move. And remember, part of that process was getting the tabernacle pieces all together and the Ark of the Covenant and the the people who were going to bear the Ark. They start out before the people, but after the cloud. Who are they following? They're following God. And in Numbers chapter 10, it says this, verse number 34, And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. And it came to pass when the Ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord. And let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. That's verse number one of Psalm 68. And then it says, And when the ark rested, Moses said, Return, Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. So this passage today, Psalm 68, is a victory psalm that references this amazing provision that God would go before his people and would provide for them. Food and water and protection and all of these things that they needed for survival. David probably wrote this psalm to commemorate a very specific conquest. The picture is a victory parade, which we have described for you in the past. But they're very specific. He's very specific about some provisions that they were given. Essentially, what the gist of the psalm is, is this. If I can just capture all of these verses in one statement, it would be this. We've got God. What else do we need? This is what David's saying. We've got God. What else do we need? So what does the provider actually provide when David thinks of God rising up before his people and leading them and providing for them? What things come to his mind As he thinks about God, what is he worshiping for? And as we think about last Sunday morning's message, what should we be praying for? How should we be praying for some of these things? That's not a comprehensive prayer list, but I can tell you that there are some really good things in here for us to praise God for 
and to pray for. Just to set the tone, just a reminder, what David is, the picture he's painting is that God is leaving his place of rest and he's going and providing for his people. And think about, just for a minute, before we get into it, the parallel that there is to Jesus. Jesus leaving the throne of heaven and coming down to earth as a tiny baby to do what? To provide salvation for his people, to provide salvation for the world. There's great parallel here between what God does for the nation Israel and what Jesus does for his own. God, the great provider. He shows up when his people need him every single time. I want to give you these five and then I want you to hold on to them because we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what does this mean for us? Like, what does it mean for our prayer? All right, number one, what does God provide? Well, he provides paternity, fatherhood, a family. And again, these are the verses that we looked at on Father's Day. But verse number five says this, a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. He sets the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So again, here's what David is saying. So God, when he rises up, remember the picture When he rises up and says, hey, people, let's move, pack your bags, follow me. One of the things that he provides is family, fatherhood, paternity. Secondly, he provides his presence. Now, presence is one of the characteristics of God that we looked at in detail all the way back in January in Psalm 34, verse number seven, O God, when thou wentest before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens dropped at the presence of God, even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. So God was not just represented by the cloud, he was with his people. This is what David is saying. Two things set the nation of Israel apart from everybody else around them. One was the presence of God. The other was the provision of God. God was there with them and God was meeting their needs. The provision of God made possible through his presence. Thirdly, I want you to think about the provision. I tried to make this alliterated so you could keep the P's in mind. I know it sounds a little redundant to say God provided provisions, but what I want you to think about is provisions in terms of the things that they needed daily. Bread and water. They needed these basics of human life. Verse number nine, thou, O God, did send rain, plentiful rain, Whereby thou didst confirm thy inheritance when it was weary. Thy congregation hath dwelt therein. Thou, O Lord, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. What David is saying is, look, God sent from heaven the rain to sustain his people, to provide for them. Daily manna and daily water. Psalm 105 says it this way in verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. He provided for them. Verse 39, he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rocks, and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river, and he gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. And then, to top it all off, think about the promised land. So this is a description of what's happening in the desert, but think about the promised land. Recently, Johnny and I drove through Iowa, and I was born in Iowa and raised in Iowa, and I like to think of Iowa as God's country. Amen? Any other Iowans out there? I know I got a couple back there, all right? God's country. So we were driving from Utah, and if you drive through southern Utah, it's beautiful, but it's beautiful in a very desolate way, right? It's basically all rocks and you look for green things. You're like, where's the green stuff? Like nothing is growing out here. It is just a giant rock garden. And when we were in Utah, it got dark. And when it got light, we were in Iowa. And I'm going to tell you, Iowa is just beautiful. If you like corn, right? It's, it's, it's beautiful. It is just rolling hills of growing green stuff everywhere you go. It's like leaving the desert and going into the promised land. And this is what the Israel, think about it, for 40 years, 
most of the people going in had never really seen green things growing, right? They had lived in the desert all of their life. And so they follow through the, the Jordan River and they come through and they're thinking, what is going on here? Like, there's green stuff everywhere. In fact, the Bible describes it as a land of milk and honey. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, when Moses is giving his final warnings to the people as they're headed in, he says this, God is going to give you great and goodly cities which you did not build and houses full of good things which you did not fill and wells digged which you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. Who did? The people before them as part of God's great provision to his people. He provided their provisions. Fourthly, their protection. Look at verse number 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits even the God of our salvation or deliverance. He that is our God is the God of salvation and unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. Here he says, David says, God provides salvation. And this is a more generic term for salvation than what we use, but he's basically saying God rescued us. God shows up and saves his people. For Israel, it was salvation from Egypt and from Pharaoh and from starvation and from getting wiped out by warring nations. For us, it is salvation from sin and death and hell. But when God's people need him, he shows up and he loads them with benefits. I don't know if you're familiar with Psalm 103. It's one of my favorite psalms. I was recently challenged to memorize Psalm 103. If you're wondering what to memorize in scripture, this would be a great one. But in Psalm 103, David lists a bunch of benefits of being one of God's people. Let me just give you a few of them. Forgiveness, healing, redemption, loving kindness, mercy, goodness, righteousness, judgment, grace, relationship. And the New Testament continues the list with even more gifts that God has provided through his salvation. Now, there's an interesting verse here. If you just go back one verse to verse number 18, there's an interesting verse here that is quoted in the New Testament. I want you to hang on to it and think about it with me for just a second. Okay, so you've got you to gotta wake up your brain, have a sip of coffee, and think for just a second a little harder than normal on Sunday morning, okay? We actually sang a phrase from these verses in the first song we sang today. I don't know if you caught it, but here's what it says in verse number 18. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men. That phrase, thou hast led captivity captive, we sang that in the first song that we sang this morning. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, quotes this. Listen to what he says. He's talking about gifts. He says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. That's interesting. So Paul says the church received gifts because Jesus led captivity captive. And this was prophesied in Psalm number 68. So you might say, okay, what gifts did he give the church? Well, he says in verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So what did God give? What gifts did God give to the church? Well, it says he gave the apostles and prophets. You might think of that as the Bible. That's that's where we read about the apostles and prophets. We have the Bible. And then secondly, he says we have preachers and teachers who give us biblical truth but the whole point of all of it is that we would be more like christ so here's what paul says that jesus led captivity captive so that you would be like him and he gave you his word so that you would be like him and you gave he gave you bible teachers so that you would be like him david says in psalm 103 don't forget these benefits we sometimes take these for granted and then lastly number five power Verse number 35, O God, 
Thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that gives strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Now, Johnny brought us a message on the omnipotence of God from Psalm 29 a few weeks ago. You might remember that. So we're not going to take a lot of time talking about power, but there is an application for us. So I just want you to think now, have these benefits changed? God's paternity and presence and provisions and protection and power has those things changed? Has the character behind them changed? And of course, the answer is no. Can I claim these perks, these benefits, as a 21st century believer? Can I claim them? Should I pray for these things? And I would tell you, yes, the character of God never changes. These benefits don't change. And so there's a couple of things we want to think about in conclusion today. Okay, so number one is the same conclusion we have every Sunday morning as we look at the Psalms, and that is to think bigger thoughts about God. So he is the great provider. And just me telling you to think bigger thoughts about God isn't going to do it. Okay, so you got to like actively say, okay, I'm going to think about God today as, as being bigger and being able to provide more and better than I can imagine. Like Paul says in Ephesians, like, exceedingly above what I could even ask or think, that that is the God that I serve. But secondly, I want to think about his provision and what I need him to provide. What do you need him to provide? Would you just take a minute this morning and think about it? Would you think about what God needs you to provide, you personally? What do I need? If somebody came up to you this morning and said, hey, What is the one thing that I can pray for you about? What comes to mind? You got it? Everybody should have something. If you don't have something, you're too independent. Okay? You're not leaning into the Lord. You got to have something. Okay? So everybody should have something. Some might say, you know what I want? I want a relationship with God. Like, I don't know him as my Savior. I don't know Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I would like to have some answers. Some might say, I've got a physical challenge it's either with my health or maybe with my finances or with my job maybe i have a relational challenge maybe i'm um, running out of hope i just i feel like i'm at the end of my rope there's something that you need this morning do you got it locked in okay so i want to just think about these five categories and see if psalm 68 helps you with that thing that you need provided number one paternity does god still provide this would you think with me for just a second does god still provide paternity fatherhood family to his own does he still provide this well ephesians 2 19 says now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of god so through jesus christ yes now more than ever our relationship with god is son with father 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the what? The sons of God. We are called the sons of God. Incredible. Ephesians 3, verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. The whole family of God. So this morning, I just want you to think for just a second, do you need to be reminded that God wants a close relationship with you like a son with a father? If you're a believer, maybe you need that as an encouragement. Like, I've I've kind of forgotten that he is my father and he's available there to me as father. But maybe you say, you know what, that's bizarre. Like, I never thought of God as father. I've thought of God as like this powerful Being in the universe that I really don't have a relationship with, I can't approach to God. And can I just tell you that through Jesus Christ, God can be your father. Here's what scripture says, just in a quick nutshell, at at the point where somebody says, I choose to turn from my sin and I choose to follow Jesus Christ. I'm choosing him over me. At that point, scripture says that that repentance and belief yields eternal life and a brand new relationship with God as Father. And by the way, Holden last Sunday morning told us this is one of those prayers that God answers with a yes every single time. And that is this, Lord, would you save me from my sin? Yes, every single time. So can we pray about God's fatherhood? Yeah, I think we can. One, if we're not a Christian, that we can repent from our sin and believe in Jesus Christ and become a Christian... 
making God father. But secondly, some of us, I think, probably need to pray this. Lord, would you just help me to appreciate my relationship with you now that you are my father? Secondly, presence. Does God still provide his presence? What do you think? Yes or no? Does he still provide his presence? Yeah. In fact, in Jesus now more than ever, right? Matthew 1, 23, and they will, she will bring forth a son, speaking of Mary, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is what? God with us. God is with us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always. James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and, God and he will do what? Draw nigh to you. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So, God's presence, it's there no matter what. It's there whether I pray or not. God is present with me. Jesus said, He will never leave me nor forsake me. It's there, so how should I pray? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever prayed this? Jesus, would you go with me into this job interview? Well, he will never leave you or forsake you. He's with you. Okay? He's not waiting for you to give him permission to come. He is with you. Sometimes I think we pray like, Lord, would you meet with us today? Well, he, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there whether we've invited him or not. So how should I pray? Maybe it would be better to say this, Lord, would you help me to have a sense of your presence? Help me to understand your presence. Help me to be able to see you during this situation. You're with me. I'm grateful for it. Help me to sense it. Thirdly, provision. Does God still provide our provisions for us? Well, Jesus said in his model prayer that we should pray what? Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. But can I remind you that Jesus did not say to pray this, Lord, give us our long-term luxuries. He never said to pray that. You ever prayed for a long-term luxury? We've probably all been guilty of praying for a long-term luxury, right? Lord, I need this house. I need this car. I need this job. That is not what Jesus said to pray for. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray over those things, but that is not what he said to pray for. In fact, Um, James actually cautions against this thing. Do not pray for things that you can consume with your lust, he says. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. You ask to consume this with your lust. But we are to express our needs. But once we express our needs to God, we don't need to obsess about them. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever obsessed about a need? Like every five minutes? (laughs) Lord, you know what I need, right? Okay, just reminding you. Lord, you know what I need, right? Just reminding you. I don't need to obsess about it. In fact, Jesus, in the same conversation where he says, pray and ask God for your daily bread, he says this, take no thought, saying... What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? All of these things, the the Gentiles, the heathens seek. Your father knows that you have need of these things. But you, believer, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Second Peter 1 verse 3, His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Do you realize the benefits you already have as a child of God? You've got everlasting life and the Holy Spirit and his word Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm praying that you'll just comprehend what you've got. Here's what he says. That you might comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the knowledge of God, the fullness of God. Do you realize what you've got? And is it enough? I want you to think about manna for just a second. Remember in the wilderness when God supplied the bread to the people of Israel in the wilderness. He sent them enough bread for each day and they had to go out and collect it. Do you remember that? 
and they weren't supposed to hoard it. If they hoarded it, what happened? It got rotten, right? So can we learn some general truths about God from that? I think we can. One, God provides, right? Two, he expects people to do what? Work. He expects people to work. What did Paul say in the New Testament? If a man does not work, neither should he what? Eat. I like to eat. You probably like to eat, so we should work. Thirdly, should we hoard? Does God like hoarding? He certainly did not like hoarding in the wilderness. I think this is part of his character. He wants us to trust him on a daily basis. Lastly, I think we can learn that God doesn't want us to get greedy or grumpy with his provisions. Are you with me? Do you remember the people of Israel? They got grumpy with his provisions. We are sick and tired of eating bread. Have you ever been there? I've never been there. I could eat bread all the time, right? But I am sick and tired of eating bread. Send us some meat, right? They got grumpy. They told God, look, we want to place an order. We don't want bread. We want meat. Bring us some meat. And so God brings a meat and it looks like a scene from Angry Birds, right? The quail are dropping out of heaven. They're bouncing off of tents. They're going everywhere. They're burying small children, you know. But they're like, hey, we've got meat. Woo! And so what do they do? They pig out and they get sick, right? It is rotten in their mouth, God says. Why? You don't place orders. I provide, but you don't place orders. Now think about that for just a second. Like, if this is a a good representation of God's provision for his people, how many times have I placed an order when he's already provided what Jesus said he would provide? Food and raiment. And Paul said, if you've got food and raiment, let us therewith be what? Content. He's already given me what I need, and yet so many times it's easy for me to place an order. You know what I need? I need enough manna for today. I need enough physical provision for today, and I need enough spiritual provision for today. Too much would probably ruin me like it did them. So how should we pray? Lord, you know what I need. You already know it. But Jesus said I was supposed to ask for it. So here's my one shot. Lord, here's what I need. I need this, this, and this. These are my daily bread needs. But here's what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm not going to obsess. I've told you, you know, I've obeyed scripture. I am not going to obsess about my needs. I'm going to trust you instead. Fourthly, protection. Protection. Does God still provide protection let me give you just a couple of verses, 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil protection, salvation. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation always make a way to escape. John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We are protected in God, in our Savior Jesus. We need to trust that protection. And then lastly, power. Does God still provide power? Did you know that every believer has more power than you can possibly imagine? Available to them? But like we were shown with the vacuum cleaner, you have to plug it in, right? I've got to access God's power. Have you ever tried to live a life, a day in your life with no connection with God? Like have you tried to live it in your own power? Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And here's what power will do in your life. It will help you witness. I had somebody, a believer, actually say to me the other day, a couple of weeks ago, Brad, you make such a big deal about sharing Jesus. That's not for everybody. That surprised me. That is for everybody, right? I mean, are, you, are, we, are we together on that? That if you have the Holy Spirit and every believer does, you have power. And the primary purpose of that power is to share Jesus with other people. Paul said in Colossians 1.29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. God's power is in me working mightily. Remember what Paul said, in my weakness, 
then God shows himself strong, so I will glory in my weakness. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Many people that go through deep physical need will give this testimony as believers. Wow, it wasn't until I was like done, I I had nowhere to go physically, that I realized how strong my God is as I leaned into him. There's a Christian song today that has these lyrics. Listen to them, just just a couple phrases. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us. The same power. You have access to that power. So this morning as we conclude, I just want you to think for a second. Like I was telling the the leadership team as we were talking about this message in preparation of it. This is one of those characteristics of God that just seems a little bit like, like no duh. Like he's a provider. Like we know that, right? And, and it also, this passage reviews several of the concepts we've already talked about. We've talked about paternity. We've talked about presence. We've talked about protection. We've talked about power. It just seems quite obvious. But as we conclude, I just want you to think about, like, what is the application? Like, what should I do with these things? Every single time we open the word together and as we worship together, we should come away saying, okay, what do I do with it? And I think maybe I've tried to capture a way to pray, and maybe for you, you can tweak it just a little bit, but a way to pray about God's provision of paternity, relationship. Lord, help me to value my relationship with you, Father. Help me to value it. I think this would be a great way to pray every single day this week. Lord, help me to draw closer to you as my Father. Help me to sense your presence. It's with me. Do you know there's, there's kind of two sides to the coin with the presence of God? One, if I feel lonely, I need to remember he's with me, right? But two, if I'm feeling a little autonomous and a little unaccountable to other people, it's good to remember that, hey, you know what? No matter where I'm at, God is with me. Lord, would you help me to sense your presence? Thirdly, would you help me not to obsess or worry about my needs? I've got food and raiment. Help me to be content. Help me to run to you and trust your protection and not always my plan of protection. And then lastly, help me to live in your power and not my own. Let's be like David. Not just celebrate these things about God, but lean into God as the great provider. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your truth is always relevant. Thank you for the promise from the Apostle Paul that... Your word is always profitable. It's profitable for doctrine to teach us how to live. It's profitable for reproof to confront us when we're wrong. It's profitable for correction to get us back to living a life that honors you. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness to teach us how to stay on the straight and narrow path that leads to life. Lord, would you help us to see your word as profitable? Would you wake our minds up to your truth? And would you change us as we think about your goodness, your power, your protection, your fatherhood to us? May we celebrate these things today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together as we close today, singing out a great old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
The most important thing our church can communicate with you is the gospel message. The word gospel means good news. The trouble with most good news is that it isn't really good until you see it relative to bad news. The discovery of a new cure isn't all that helpful unless you or a loved one has the disease that it cures. In the same way, the good news of Jesus is good when it is understood in relation to the bad news of our own sin. We are all sinners. That's the disease we are all born with. And Jesus is the cure. The good news that everyone can live forever with God in heaven, not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus did in our place. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth that everyone, everywhere, at all times in history needs to hear is that salvation is only possible by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you be willing to pray something like this and mean what you pray from your heart? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can do nothing to earn forgiveness and make myself right with you. Instead of dying for my own sins, I want to trust Christ and his death on the cross as payment for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my way and make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that those that repent from their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in this way shall be saved. Would you believe on him today? And if you did trust Christ today, if you did pray a prayer like the one suggested a moment ago and you really meant it, would you let us know? We want to help you grow in your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have more questions about putting your faith in Christ and we have great resources to help you with that. The Exchange Bible Study is a four-week study on the character of God that will answer most of your questions about the gospel. We have men and women ready and waiting to go through that with you, in person or virtually, depending on your situation. Maybe you put your faith in Christ today, or, or maybe you did years ago, but you feel like you've not grown in your faith. We want to help you with that as well. We have literally hundreds of helpful resources and dozens of believers ready to walk with you through them. Let us know how we can best encourage your journey of faith in Christ using one of the contact methods listed below. Jesus Christ loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. May God bless you as you seek to live your life for his honor and for his glory.